0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. Terrace Podcast. The podcast has been struggling to put a line-up together recently. My name is Craig Cairns and I only have one person joining me today and that is Craig Anderson. Hello Craig. Hello. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fact that uh, most of the Glasgow guys just
1: seem to have chucked it? Ah, be it's, bothered just, uh, turning up anymore. it's fatigue. It's, fatigue. it's uh, been a long, hard season for the lads and we really need to just uh, phone it in for the last couple of weeks and then get on to pre-season training and be Back fresh for next year, who are going to mount a nice title challenge? Should Celtic be afforded this, that kind of excuse? No. No long,
0: hard season,
1: no no, tired, net no, performance big, versus Rangers. They've got a big squad and they've got a cup final place to play for, but it did not look like that yesterday. It didn't. At all. Uh, we'll start with the team
0: selections. The Gerrard's team selection. Um, quite predictable he's kind of going with it. they're on a really good run at the moment but it seemed to be the, it was more the way they played rather than the way he uh, the, the, the personality selected um, they seemed to have Arfield and Kent playing quite narrow which um, choked the midfield uh, Celtic and they completely dominated in the centre of the pitch uh, and not only that but I had another point I was going to go into there what do you think I've, I've just said there sorry I, yeah, I, no, I think
1: Arfield you've seen a, a big change in him um since he's kind of went into that more advanced role uh, I, I'm not sure how much of a coincidence it is That basically since Morelos has been out suspended And they've gone with that front three The results have improved Now that's not to say that with Morelos there It would, it would be any worse or whatever But just it's brought the best out of our field Absolutely I mean, like five goals he scored in the last six games So obviously going include a hat-trick But I, um I always felt that was where he was a better player when he played for Falkirk. He played everywhere for Falkirk. I feel like I remember him playing full-back and wing-back and all sorts, but I always felt he was, he was best in a kind of attacking role. Um, obviously, when he was at Burnley, um, he was mainly used as a central midfielder, but I never really felt that was... I think it, I think he felt between... Um, he probably wasn't a good enough footballer to make it in the English Premier League as an attacking player, um, so he was asked to play in a position where he could graft and do a lot of running, whereas up here... Um, although, although I think the quality's pretty good. It's obviously not the, the same standard as the English Premier League. And so he can get away a bit more with being a strong runner, with being um, getting himself into really good positions. And, and you saw that, um, especially for his goal yesterday. But just in general, he was as good, I think, as I've seen him play since he came back to Rangers. Um, and that's even, even including the game where he scored the hat-trick.
0: Yeah, the other thing I remember, the other thing I was going to say was that the... Um they press Celtic very effectively, which is which has been shown that um if you're on your game and Celtic will be slightly off theirs, then that's definitely their Achilles heel. I mean it's a dangerous game because when they're on form they could yeah. absolutely tear you apart. But um uh, like Hearts have done a couple of times in the past, Kilmarnock have done in the past,
1: um Rangers did this time they did it really effectively. Yeah but it's, it's Celtic you see when they've been on form, but I don't think under Lennon they're capable of playing the way that you described. Like even last week when they won three 0 it wasn't like a kind of swashbuckling, all-conquering performance of the sort that you sometimes got under Rodgers. It was still a bit Lenin-y, it was still a bit kind of a grind. You know, they got the goals and, um, and obviously Aberdeen were were, were pretty poor um, after the first sort of half hour. Rangers were not poor, Rangers were very good. And Celtic, it, it was, I think, a low, one of one of the worst performances I've seen from Celtic in a very, very long time. No um, shots on target. No, no, I mean, I think... I think doesn't that it doesn't matter who they're playing you know, in this league, not, they should not be going again without a shot on target. And you're, you're talking about playing against a Rangers team who, okay, Westford Fodderingham's a very good goalkeeper, but you're talking about a second-choice goalkeeper being in goals and to not trouble them, not have them anything to do. It just, it just was a really, really shoddy performance all round. I think I, I compared it to, to Scotland out in Kazakhstan. It was the same sort of level. There just seemed to be a lethargy about it. There was no quality. Um, what anyway was one of the two constants? Uh,
0: well, sorry. Callum McGregor. That was more going for <laughs> Ollie Burke. Because <But>, uh, <laughs> um, that was one of the things about um, Rangers' game plan was very effective, but I think one of the reasons it was very effective is because Celtic lacked an outball, really. And they were missing Forrest, which was obviously a, a big miss, but then somebody like Burke comes in and he just he just doesn't have the same effect. He's, he's not as effective at... Um, dragging you up the park 20 yards when you need it or he's not as fit. I know he's got devastating pace but he doesn't have the football intelligence to to know how to be dangerous while using it. It
1: reminds me, I don't know, like years and years and years ago Sky One did this programme called The Match and they brought together a bunch of celebrities. They trained them for a week. They did like a behind the scenes of them and then they got them the the final thing was a game, I don't know if it was maybe at Old Trafford against a bunch of like um, legends, you know, like old guys that were kind of passed their best, and it was Darren Campbell, I think, you know, the sprinter, who possibly won uh, won a medal with the UK relay team, and they put him at centre forward, and he was incredibly fast, obviously he's a sprinter, but when he got into a position, he, he did fuck all with it, and, and that was what Oliver Burke was like, he, he's big and he's strong, of course he is, but what is the point in having any of that, if every single final ball, every single final ball, and the game, went nowhere. And the shot even went into Yeah, it, Just nothing about his performance was positive. He, he, he was um, worse than a man down, because if you're a man down, you don't give the ball to the empty space where the man down stands. You're it, probably
0: more conscious that you're yeah, a man down, so you
1: work harder Yeah, that, that it, it, they thing. gave him the ball, and, and it just was going back to Rangers every time, and, and it was it was kind of one of the old time terrible Scottish football performances up there with the sort of Umar Sadiq um, sort of stuff. He was, he was hopeless, and he was kind of aided and abetted in that hopelessness by several others I thought uh, well, I, Austin I, Edward was awful I think it's difficult to pick I'm not well, I'm not picking on him but to pick out a youngster but that's uh, in his
0: defence he's been chucked in at Ibrox twice now and in a poor Celtic performance yeah. Um I mean, it's difficult to see where one ends and the other begins because he's obviously part of that performance. Because um, he was played, remember, he's played as like a he's played as the centre
1: forward in the Hugman match. John, Johnston, 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 yeah, it, yeah, so. never got into the game yeah, because yeah.
0: he's he's not a centre no, forward.
1: No, all, all, all three. I mean, it's a young front three, probably all three of those guys are about 20, 19, 20, 21, right? Okay, but so so some of the blame goes onto the manager. Well, a lot of the blame goes onto manager for picking them and not thinking about that, but. Each of them individually was, was very poor. Um, Johnston is one that you, you've you seen him with the, the Scotland Youth teams and, and a little bit when he's played with Celtic against the sort of diddies of the league. that he, He's got talent, but he's not a finished article yet. And when you're bringing together basically three guys, so I like that because Edward, I, I just don't get him as a striker. Clearly he's good, clearly he's got ability. I don't think he's a Lennon striker. Not, I think when...
0: Celtic were playing like they did under Rodgers, and you've got a striker who likes to kind of drop off the front and move to the left and link with the midfielders. Um, I think that he showed a lot of potential in that role, and he was kind of disrupted a bit by injuries, still scored a decent amount of goals. Um, The price tags maybe weighed a bit heavy on him, but I think the way they've played since Lennon has come in, it just doesn't suit... No, Edward. He's, but, he's not a target man. He's not gonna uh, necessarily make near post runs and get on the end of crosses. I I just uh, think that he's not the type of striker that uh, Lennon
1: wants. Or, but or it doesn't suit any of the players. I think probably like Callum McGregor, potentially, is definitely one of the top three best players in the league. Nowhere. Um, anonymous, um, Scott Brown chasing shadows As he has done pretty much every big game this season Losing possession yeah, quite a lot as well He's just not, I mean the, the decision to give him that two and a half year deal mm-hmm. Maybe he'll, he'll surprise us all again But it looks ludicrous I would have kind of taken the chance It was. It reminds me a bit of when Commons had his fallout with Dyla a couple of years ago And there was all this clamour for him to get a contract And he got a contract and he was hopeless for the entirety of that contract
0: he was alright when he went to Hibs towards the end of it. Yeah, exactly when
1: he when he wasn't there. But um when he was playing the championship for Hibs, he was he was alright, funnily enough. But um it feels like something similar with Brown, um and he's actually making McGregor worse. McGregor was at his best when Brown was not in the team. Um the 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 central defenders I thought I thought played well. There were there was mistakes in both of them. Um I Ayer reminds me of um Virgil van Dyke, when he played for Celtic In the sense that he made mistakes made a lot of mistakes But what he was always very good at Was covering for his own mistakes immediately So a couple of times he was caught in possession High up the park But he got back and he won the ball back And that's the difference between him And someone like Jack Hendry Who made the same mistakes But then didn't cover for them mm-hmm. And just, just sold the jerseys All in all though just Lennon has taken a team which was okay Was still clearly the best in the country And was on the wane Sorry, Butt was on the way But it's made them Ten times worse To the extent where I genuinely don't think Celtic are the best team In the country right now I think Rangers are better Than them right now I don't think I think Celtic will Get their act together And win the league next year But I think If you look at it right now I don't think it's a case of Rangers have just beaten Celtic I think looking at Rangers as a team At the moment They're better and we won't even mention the fact that Scott Brown ran into the elbow of uh, John and
0: That was shameful. Um, let's talk about Rangers a bit more before we move on to the next game. I mean, you're talking about that's. I mean, some would see that as quite a bold claim, but I think if you're just looking at it in terms of form, I don't think it can be argued. And obviously, with the evidence of that match in isolation, um, but even I think when you look at Rangers across the season, um, they've competed with Celtic. Even the games, the two games they've lost, they've competed. Um, they did very well with 10 men at Celtic Park, and I mean, they weren't too far away of, um getting a result in that game, and that would have reflected very badly yeah. on Lennon, given they were against 10 men. But I think the big thing for Rangers is that they seem to have got over this hump that they they don't fear Celtic yeah. as much as they used to, but they're still not a side, and they're doing it now, but they, they're still not a side that puts together 6, 7, 8, all the way up to 10 wins they, in a row, and they're doing it at the moment, but they've only
1: started to do it since they... The, the biggest the problem for Rangers all season has been away against any of the good teams in the league. So there's probably five good teams in the league. Um, you can kind of include Hearts, but, but their re- record against Rangers is nothing short of atrocious. But It if you used look, to be good at home
0: until Levine came
1: back in. But if you look at the record, Rangers away record against Celtic, um, Hearts, sorry, Celtic, Hibs, Aberdeen and Kelly, um Lucky for one game, maybe one at Petodre, I can't remember. I think they won once at Petardry, and, and apart from that, nothing. It's just more the stop-start nature um, they had near the
0: start. And I think this team that they've got at the moment—it's a very—I mean—that—that that, was a very good start. At Eleven, they, had, they finally got Defoe and Davis playing for yeah. them, and they maybe took a little bit while to get up to speed. And if they can keep this team and supplement it with a couple of decent players or, uh, or better than what they have over the summer, then they could very well put a title challenge on But it's going to come down to a lot of things. It's going to come down to how well they manage that. Uh, Thursday-Sunday pattern yeah. again which they coped quite well with in Europe the last time but they didn't so much uh, the rest place. of it was still kind of finding his feet so I know there's a lot of promising signs there for I, just, I think
1: if you look at their team the return of Katic to the defence made so much of a difference it's, it, one of it, his it, challenges very, was excellent it's very bizarre I mean it's not that bizarre because I guess he did have some poor games but Warrell coming in when Katic started the season so well Warrell's come in and take it it's kinda of took his place. And model mm-hmm. has been He's, he's turned in some good performances but he, he doesn't based on the evidence we've seen so far there's nothing to suggest he's even a, a fraction of the player of, of Katic he's quite highly rated has, I know but, and I know he had
0: that kind of high profile mistake but he kind of put that behind like, Kilmarnock yeah, but yeah. he put that behind him I mean, and don't you worry a, I remember it a, a great series of performances <laughs> after that um, I did think it was a bit a bit weird with Katic because he and Worrell, sort of, he and Golson started the yeah. season very well and then he was dropped I think I remember Gerard saying he was jaded and he was kind him a rest, and that sounded like, I mean, looking back on it now, it looks more like that was um, because he saw Waddle as a better player, yeah. and that was just kind of his way of letting Katic down gently, yeah. because he played well and he had to drop him, but
1: anyway, that's by the by. Um, I just think they've got, the, the way their team's set up just now, I know taking the absence of Morelos to um, bring it. But the way by the accident, they yeah, kind of come stumble across the system. I don't, I don't want to be critical of a manager for that because ni- ninety plus percent of the um, good teams that come around come around a little bit by accident. You get, you set your team up in a particular way, and then someone gets injured or someone mm-hmm. goes out, and you have to make the most of it, and then you find that you hit on a winning formula. Yeah. And the good thing, and then, then g- you realise
0: Adrian Roviac
1: a centre yeah, forward. Exactly, the they, exactly that, exactly that. <laughs> That's because a that, terrible example. But, uh, <laughs> It comes about a bit by chance, and it's kind of happened that way. But the good thing for Gerard and, and what gives you faith in him as a manager is that he's stuck with it. He's not saying Morelos has come back; let's immediately put him into the team. He's. It he doesn't. It doesn't. I don't mean he doesn't need him. Morelos is a great player. He will probably start next weekend, I think, at, at Rugby Park and, and give his record against killer this season. He scored seven goals against us. That's, um, that's not the best, but he. he He's found that team, he's got it settled, and more, pretty much, I think, um, with the exception of Kent, everyone that's on that park yesterday will be there next season, I think. Um, well, Fodderingham might not be, but he, he, well, he, might as well, he might as well have been me and goals for Rangers for all the <laughs> difference it made. Yesterday. There's noises
0: about um, the likes of Southampton looking at Arfield,
1: so I don't know how much is in that. I'm... I feel I feel like with Arfield, like, the fact he's came back home, he's came back to Scotland, you kind of feel like he's... Why would they I mean, it could be wrong, but why? I feel like he's went, he's done it in England, he's played there. Now he's closer to home. It would seem a bit strange to go back down to England I mean maybe he fancies it, who knows But Or money Yeah well not exactly, and it's always possible But um...
0: Well just for a minute before we move on to the next game um, I wanted to ask you
1: um,
0: 2016 semi-final between yeah. Celtic and Rangers There was kind of the, the, the story that after that law Looked to the Rangers fans celebrating And decided right I need to go out and get a box office manager yeah. uh, In case these guys come back up and are the real deal Turned out they weren't, and Dyla probably could have still beaten Warburton at the title. But um, he I can't went have out. De- I he went out and he got um, Brendan Rogers. Now we've kind of talked about over the weeks um, the pros and cons of Neil Lennon. Do you think this result will be seen as similar by the likes of Desmond and Lowell, and they will go out and get? I mean. I'm, I don't want to do a Hamza of Youssef here, but I can't see it being Jose Mourinho. I think it's going to be a, a, a tier below that, a level below that. Do you think they'll go for something Yeah, yeah abso- like that?
1: absolutely. I think um, it's kind of the start in the hornets' nest thing. Celtic can't... Celtic's entire... So Rangers
0: should have chucked the game at the well, weekend, basically.
1: Not, not quite. It's kind of hard because they need the conference. But Celtic's entire existence for the next two years is going to be framed around 1-10 in a row. It's, it's essentially... Celtic will be focused one hundred percent on can we get ten in a row, Rangers will be focused one hundred percent on can we stop ten in a row. That that's literally going to consume both of those clubs to the extent I think probably neither of them will win a cup next year because that literally is going to be their their focus um for the next two years. Um and I think Celtic will have seen that yesterday and they've seen they players are those players are not playing for New Lenin. That's fairly obvious. So either they're gonna get rid of an entire treble treble winning squad. And keep Neil in, or they're going to get rid of Neil in and bring in a manager who can can get the best out of what is still a good group of players. Um, so I think it's a bit like I think um, people said it yesterday when Brighton scored against Man City that they they almost scored too early. Yeah. You hear that said before, and it's kind of like um, uh, David Neary scoring against Brazil at the World Cup and so it's just it just wound them up. <laughs> they're furious uh, now, uh, and so that's I think what will, what, is, what will happen here. Now, and I think Celtic will. Absolutely. Given that they've been willing to spend nine million pounds on a centre forward who has been fine. They will be willing to I think they'll be willing to spend five, six million pounds a year on getting the right manager and um whether you Marino would work for that amount of money. If he would then I think they will get him because I think he will relish that type of job and I think it's the kind of job that he'll want because he will want I feel like he's a kind of um the kind of character he is, he'll want to prove himself again in some ways. He obviously did it at Porto, um, different scenario, young manager wants to prove, but I think there's that scenario where someone like that, and I may not, probably won't be him, but a big name, you say job is very appealing, um, if they're willing, as long as you're willing to pay the going rate for that level of managers, I mean, it, it'll not be him, but there was a the talk of Benitez and that type of guy, a guy who has been there at the very top level, I think that's what they will go for, and that will make it an incredible challenge for Gerard because Gerard I think has surprised me and surprised a lot of people by actually being pretty competent and in, in having the signs of a good manager, which I genuinely didn't see coming. But it's gonna be a big challenge for him going up against a proper a big name. name manager with experience Which I think is what Celtic will bring But he
0: will have learnt a lot from this season um, So right, let's move away from that game A bit of an extended look at the Old Firm game But there's going to be a couple of matches towards the end of this pod Where they are end of season affairs And we're probably not going to have too much to say about them One other match that still had uh, something riding on it Was the match at Rugby Park Which Colmarnock came out 1-0 victors against heads Craig Paul Heckingbottom is at the wheel. He just seems to be fucking furious sometimes behind it. Yeah, I don't know
1: what he's at the wheel of at the moment, but it's um First of all, in the game, um, Kelly thoroughly deserved the one. It was a really, really dominant performance. It should have should have been more than one. Now uh, I liked how
0: um, when he was asked about the penalty decision after the game, Steve Clark, with a smirk, said, "Sometimes you deserve a dodgy penalty decision
1: to go your way." Yeah, it, it absolutely wasn't a penalty. Um, I, I was fooled at the time as well. To be honest, that I um, sat on the opposite side from that, so the, the side from where the corner was coming in. Uh, and as um, Alex Bruce said in his interview, at the previous corner. Uh, I don't think they showed that in the highlights. Actually, Massi, I know they did. No, they f- mentioned that A mentioned fantastic this, they? save from um, a front post header from Gary Dicker. I think. Um, I think it was two corners in a row, and the, and the goal came from the second one. I could be wrong, but the that's that's what it sounded like from the account that Alex Bruce gave. Um And at that first one, there was some tussling going on all over the park, and um, you did see the ref. I think before it was taken speaking to the. Um, Two of them, and actually speaking kind of more audibly to a bunch of players. Well, according say,
0: and, to Alex Bruce, he told David Gray to keep his hands off Bruce. Yeah. Wait, he, well, mm-hmm. he, according to Bruce, I have to stress, he said it wasn't aimed at both of them, it was aimed mainly at like I mean, that's Gray.
1: possible. I know that as a referee, typically, when, when, I, when I used to referee, they, they would, one of the pieces of advice you got was like, early on, when there's one of the first corners or set pieces coming in, make sure you very audibly tell the players, you know, keep your hands down, no pulling. If you see anyone doing it before it comes in, have give it a whistle tell them to stop, speak to the two of them. So you don't say, have to give a contract So you don't have to give decision. a penalty like he yeah. did. Um, and then if the players keep doing it, well, you've, you can't say you haven't won them kind of thing. So in that sense, you can make an argument that regardless of Bruce taking a tumble and all that, you can make an argument, I'm not going to make the argument, but you can make an argument that it, it could have been a penalty nonetheless because regardless of how much of a puller a tug there is, he, he does have his arms around him at one point. No, I'm, I don't think it's a penalty. I don't think it's even close to a penalty. I think Bruce knows what he's doing. He, he gets a hands on him and he sees a chance to kind of use that to go down. Um, Has Andrew Dallas got a penalty decision correct this season? Probably not. I, I don't mean, think so. He, uh, might, he might have got one of those four. One I of them, guess. sorry. One of them in that four was <laughs> a stonewaller and the other three were all wrong. Um, <laughs> and he should have given a penalty later, which he didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, Classic Andrew Dallas. It, 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 apart from that, I actually think I, I I really dislike Andrew Dallas, um, but I actually thought it, 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 was a, it was an easy game for him, actually, aside from that decision. um, But yeah, so so it wasn't a penalty, so Hibbs can feel hard done done by, but at the same time, Hibs did not turn up, and Bottom himself said they were rubbish, and he was quite right. Um, Although he, it, seemed to say, he said they were rubbish, <laughs> and that the penalty decision had nothing to do,
0: but he didn't say had nothing to do, but he says, we can't, Rely on the referees to win the game for us. We very jocose of them. We have mm-hmm. to win the game ourselves, but then can't help but call Alex Bruce a diving bastard as he passes him I, in the media. Yeah, I, I didn't
1: realise they were former teammates. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is it funny? But he kind of is kind of uh, kind of pulled back in those comments. He's kind of shat it a bit out of it and been like, oh, it was just a joke. Well, that,
0: I I really am interested now to see what happens to him when he goes six, seven games without a yes. win um, next season? Cause, oh, he's um, me, right? Well, he's on a bad run <laughs> but it's not his team and it's kind of the are winding down the end of the season. They had an outside chance of getting into Europe but... Um, uh, yeah, I just I'd like to see because what what was the one that he did, uh, he did before? He, oh, he said he'd knock, way, he, he yeah. it. knock. He would have knocked the fourth official's teeth out if uh, it had been anywhere else, anywhere else other than oh, yeah. the side of football. It, what a christener? a wedding, <laughs> on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I just think um, he's he's shown a couple of signs there. I mean, first of all, he came in and he showed signs that he was quite an astute manager. More recently, he looks like an English League One manager. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see what we get next season after he's done a bit of recruitment. He's had a transfer window and all that kind of stuff. But what we have seen over the last few weeks is we've seen that he might have a bit of a uh, a temper or yeah. a, some sort of yeah, I don't know. Like he might, you might kind of
1: lash out every now and again.
0: I don't mean
1: The shades of Kenny Shoes about him for right. me, um, and you can take a, take anything you want from that. Um, the, the Hibs fans will probably love him, and everyone else will think he's a, a bit odd Three um, wins in 10 I should have said yeah that and that's it. what I mean a lot, of, a lot of these kind of unbeaten run were draws and, and he's still not beaten any of the, the four clubs but a bit like I talked to, yeah, he's not picked up a win in what must be about six or seven games now against the the top four clubs the thing from from the game itself it was very apparent from the start that Kelly were fired up for the game and Hibs were, were nowhere near fired up for the game quite right I mean Kelly have got something to play for and Hibs don't apart from anything the amount of, like, Kelly were pressing high up the park and the amount of errors they forced, Hibs players kind of f- constantly forced to, you know, pa- trying to pass the ball around at the back, getting pressed, um, aiming Brophy for for all these folks in front of goal and um, putting a, such a power of work... Um, to kind of constantly press the ball Mackenzie and Burke were doing the same Malumbo was doing the same Still though we got classic Brophy didn't we Where he should have done He was he was quite unlucky with that chance
0: in the second half yeah. When he was through on goal it was, he, was, he was just the other side of the post But still you've got that much time to think about it You should be getting it on target And um, there was the chance in the first half Where he really should have slipped in yeah. Chris Burke Probably the best Burke in the division <laughs> And um, he... From an awkward angle with a defender in front of
1: him, tried to beat the goalkeeper at his near yeah, post, he, and it went over the bar. That's, yeah, that's classic Broadfoot, but he, you <laughs> know, he had he, anyway, he had a, he, had a he really deserved for the second one to go in because I thought he did a fantastic game. Um, as I, as did actually everyone um, for Kelly Alex. We talked about it's just so good, been, been so good, so organised. It's, I and mean, it's not been just him, but between him, Findlay, um Broadfoot before he, he's, um, his suspension, and Dicker who's had to fill in there. It's, uh, seven clean sheets in ten matches and only conceded three goals in total. Like every game they have conceded, it's been one goal. Um, the yeah, that, that that kind of pressing just just unsettled Hibs. and the the front three um, offered absolutely nothing all day. McNulty, hopeless. Canberry I mean, he said he's playing out wide. He, he put a shift in, but he was he, he did nothing. And I can't even remember who else was playing out wide right, which is Tommy Homiunga was um, yeah. Kept quite. You can tell. You can see him he's a good player, but it was kept so quiet, um, and they all got um, replaced by an three. It was a triple substitution, which is another sort of sign of um, instability, shall we say, from a manager. I mean, and and it was actually thoroughly. It's it, it, um, it twice in the last or a few weeks that someone at Rugby Park. Uh, they looked top, better after. Yeah, I Morgan mean, gave them
0: something. Uh, Aggie, Aggie Pong, Pong was excellent when he came on. Um, he was, mean, they barely. They had shots. On target before that, but uh, they were straight yeah. at Backman, and uh, yeah, they definitely I, put a bit of impetus into yeah, the, uh, it the gave thing. You know, it was, it was a, a bit of impetus, impetus.
1: Sorry, as it's been pretty much every game Kelly won this season. It was a nervy finish because it was one 0 but um, yeah, it was it was just a, a really good, um, a, a very good. Uh, compared to last week where um, Kelly beat Hearts, but it was it was an awful game and both teams were really poor. Um, this this time, I thought I thought Kelly were very good. Um, Hibs less so, but then Hibs are on holiday. I think it's... Um, hopefully they return from their holiday for next week, but... Um,
0: it gives um, Killy... It makes Killy the... Uh, not the favourite, sorry. Uh, they're, they're, they have the advantage going into the yeah, last game just of the not season. they need
1: to win. And
0: the advantage that they don't have... Well, then again, you could win and Aberdeen could... I, I've not looked at what's the goal difference. Oh, the goal difference is uh, six of a difference. There's not a chance. Um, because you've got the more difficult fixture. Yeah. Hibs, as you've just said, they, they don't have much to play for. Heckenbottom saying after the game that uh, some youth players would be given mm-hmm. a chance. Not only that, Aberdeen have a dis- decent record against Hibs. Um, and I know Clark has a decent record against Rangers. Yeah. It could really go either way, that one. But I think, uh, I Rangers think are really
1: on form at the moment. The one thing is that Heckenbottom's still unbeaten at Easter Road in the, in the league. Um, and they do have a... They do have good players and stuff, and, and and as I say, you could even see that even though Kelly dominated them, as as has been the case with perhaps a few games this season, they've they've never been out of the game. Um, they've, the Rangers last week they were poor, um, Kelly they were poor, but they only lost one now and could have um, got back into it. So I think for both sides it's it's hard a hard fixture for both Kelly and Aberdeen, but. Kelly have to be happy. It didn't look likely to me after we lost to Aberdeen that we would have it in our own hands going into the last game and we do. So And you will
0: be competing against Aberdeen, who went above Kilmarnock temporarily after a 2-1 win against Hearts on Friday night. This was this was a bit of a strange game. It was the first half was just very Poor and uneventful. I don't think we need to spend much time on it. Should maybe talk about Levine's team selection.
1: It was, um, I mean, it was it was essentially a reserve side, wasn't it? It's classic Levine. You have no, you have no instinct of who he's going to pick at any point. It's just it's very.
0: He did say, I think it was before the game. He said that. It was a mixture of the, some people injured and there's some people like Haring who are carrying knocks yeah, who he just wants like. to keep for the final, which is fair. But then he also mentioned that there were some players who weren't injured who just wants to be fresh for the final. So I mean I don't know whether you need to drop Zlamal so he's fresh for the no. cup, cup final. But I mean I don't know, ask me after the ask me after the cup final because as it stands Hearts have built up zero momentum going into this cup final and that lineup that we picked on Friday night
1: certainly didn't help things. Yeah, and it and it just has it does have that Hearts performance. I watched Hearts for ninety minutes last week and then I watched them for ninety minutes again the other night and it's Sorry. just I know. I because like so so um Joe Joe's the worst for it on the on the group chat of being like like so incredibly negative about watching this Hearts team and I was like, can it be that bad? But then, if, as I say, I've watched two games of them in the last well, week, and ugh, just not not a good team to watch. Um, especially, I mean, you've watched
0: two different teams
1: to be fair. Oh, almost a completely different lineup. Um, I'll try think of a positive for Hearts from the other night. Scored a goal. They, they scored... scored a very Hearts at Petardry goal. It's kinda of out of nothing and very weird and why, why is why is you know, left back there and Undeserved
0: first place? and all those kind of things. Yeah. Oh my god, I hope that Bobby Burns has not played at left back again for the next two games because he was taken to the cleaners a bit in this yep. game. Uh Wilson is showing flashes, but he's not like some sort of world beater and he was and, and Burns was done very easily for a chance just before Stuart's goal and um also, oh, the chance for Greg Stewart go. I mean, typical Hearts. Greg Stewart does fuck all all year since signing for Aberdeen, and then turns up and scores a winner against Hearts. We make him look like a football
1: player again. Yeah, and it, it, it was it was I would say slightly a slight improvement on his previous performances for Aberdeen. But it, the the funny thing about the game was Aber, Aberdeen um, were on top for the well almost all the game, but the whole first half especially. Um, Played pretty well. I'm sorry, they didn't play that well. But Hearts were, were just so awful. Aberdeen then started quite well in the second half. It started really well. Um, and then Hart, but after Hearts scored, it was actually Hearts that looked maybe like they were going to go on and win it. And then obviously they then conceded and then didn't even threaten once to equalise. And it was just it's just such a strange game. But it's been it's been like that for Aberdeen all season. They've never really looked that great, but they've, they've ground out the results and. Um, as I say, I think on reflection they'll, they'll probably be disappointed with their season, but they may well go on and finish third, and it's not exactly atrocious considering. Considering what they used to be like, it's still like to be to get to the point where you are disappointed to finish third <laughs> um, would be. Um,
0: it was a um, it was a good finish from Ferguson for the first goal. You have to say, although the defending from Jamie Brandon yeah. was slightly questionable. Um, on Ferguson, he I mean he's been one of the sorry, let's rewind a little bit, the start of the season McKinnis had to sort out centre of his midfield. Yeah. And when the likes you expected maybe the likes of Forrester and Gleason to come in and be first team regulars or at least um and around first teams they didn't really get going at all, either of them. And instead, it's been Lewis Ferguson, who's been an 18-year-old at the time, who's come in and has made himself one of the first names in yep. the team sheet, never mind just in the first team. Um, now, Graham, Shinny's leaving, which means that, I mean, there's... It means that Ferguson could become the main man in the centre yep. of the park for Aberdeen next season. Um, although I would say that the probably best to get a a bit more experience alongside them. So
1: again, McInnes, if he hangs about, it's uh, a a big rebuild for this this summer. It's not something he's really had to do since he arrived at Aberdeen. The second
0: season in a row he's had to address the centre of his midfield and he has to do a better job this time than he did last time. Yeah,
1: it is. The team they put out just Okay, they've got players out, but there's just such a lack of balance in Aberdeen's score. You realise you realize immediately how reliant they've been on mackay Stephen as being a winger. Their wingers are Yeah, and then McLennan has like came in winners, but, yeah. and, and McGinn, but McGinn, and, McGinn has flattered to deceive in he's general. He's had some
0: spectacular moments this yeah. season, McGinn, but he's not put it together consistently. Yeah. But he's won some games
1: for them. And then McLennan came through as a youth player, where probably if he was a youth player, as a any other position on the park he wouldn't have got a chance but because they've had to with him being a winger and he's come in and done well but yeah they're really really short on anything down the wings because you think of their fullbacks and okay Lowe's a pow- powerful player um, Logan has been good kind of creatively in the past but it's probably his best days are getting behind him I think as an Aberdeen player he just looks a bit less good than he used to be so they're not really getting much from the wide areas Without Mackay Stephen there, but then through the middle, that's why Stewart came in to be kind of the creative player, but he's not done it. Wilson could be that kind of player as well, hasn't done it, and and they're just very, very, very predictable as a team, and it and it makes, it means that they are really not very fun to watch.
0: Well, like I say, it'll be it'll be a fascinating um,
1: end of the season.
0: Uh, they'll be taking on Hibs and Kelly will be taking on Rangers to see who closes out that third spot. On to the complete dead rubbers now and the first of those was the battle for seventh place which Johnston came out victorious. two against Motherwell? Um, Tommy Wright at the end of this match Described it as a good season For St Johnston. And I was interested to know What the panel But unfortunately the panel is just you tonight Craig Thought of those comments But well
1: first of all I do think there should be A trophy for um, winning The bottom six yeah, I think Kelly would have won it About five times um, I, 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 I kind of Like when you get a trophy For winning the winning playoffs. playoffs
0: For like For being Like I don't know um, I was, I was going to say I was, All the examples That are going through my heads Are ones that have been relegated But you know what I mean You finish 11th uh you amass, say, twenty one points over the entire season, stay up by the skin of your teeth, you win a double uh sorry, a two legged playoff, and then you get to lost the trophy on the pitch after it. It doesn't make any sense.
1: But they, um Yeah, but no, I, I think um St yes, John's. it's hard it's hard. Um ultimately like the budget St Johnston half seventh place is, is kinda of what they would expect. It's not they're they're not the worst players in the league. Like um, I suspect Hamilton, Livy and um, Mirren will probably pay less than them. What about Kilmarnock? I suspect we're paying more now, especially for the cost of our manager. I suspect right, be, okay. it will to be cheap. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, um, yeah, but that, that's where they are. That's where they are. And they're in kind of they're probably sitting kind of in a level with Muller. You would imagine um, Kelly probably not far ahead. The rest behind. That that's where I would see them. So in that sense, finishing seventh is a is a reasonably decent achievement. Um it's fine, it's, I wouldn't say it's an overachievement from St Johnston. When they finished third and stuff, that's an overachievement. Um when they finished seventh, it's like, yeah, that's fine. They're, they're, they were never at any point in any danger of relegation. Um but they started the season quite vibrant. Okay, well not the very opening day where they were hopeless, but after that they were they were a fairly vibrant looking team I and mean, the sexy St Johnston, but we hadn't seen a lot of that. For a while, but it seemed to be back of um, yeah, it on on Saturday. They played um, some excellent stuff in this game, yeah. Um, and they're, they're a good they're a good team. And, and the one thing is, when you're St Johnston having a manager where you have absolutely no question that you think they're going to get relegated is in itself quite quite a good thing to have because you could, you'd rather be consistent than mm-hmm. the sort of mercurial. One season, like Partick thistle under Archibald, and it was that like, one season you're like flying high, and, s- and then the next and the season, thing is with Wright is there, like a stone.
0: There have been a couple of times where he started the season poorly, but he's always, in fact, I'm sure that was a habit they were in for yeah. a while, it might or might not have been related to them qualifying for Europe mm-hmm. every now and again or quite frequently. And uh, yeah, so they used to start seasons quite, de-
1: at least then. Um, the domestic season quite poorly but then always it's always fun. pull through and have a stab at the top six so that's no longer really the case because now Scottish teams are going into Europe roughly the same time that the Betfred group stage yeah. starts so it doesn't really your pre-season starts when it starts regardless the only thing is the Clubs in Europe maybe want to play a friendly before Yeah Yeah, I think it's
0: just a wee bit more Competitive European matches as well
1: And you're playing against a good uh, No
0: I'm not talking about the level I'm just talking about the mentality that teams go into Because I think Scottish clubs have Incorporated the Betfred group stage Into into their pre-season rather than Have a pre-season and then start with a That's what I meant Uh, Although that I'm sure that happens happens with some teams in Europe as well though. (laughs) Just with um, finishing the season And midway through June or whatever And then
1: starting again at the start of July Or whatever it is Um, but, But no for St Johnson, yeah I mean a really good performance it's been a not bad season the one thing that's been good for them this season is uh, um, something I've not really done a lot of recently is score it, penalties they, well no but I, I know, I've definitely <laughs> not done that but incorporated at least a youth player into the team and they've got Kerr now um, I mean, both teams have done that from, from Saturday's game but Kerr is now very much the man at centre half for them whereas at the start of the season you wouldn't have necessarily even known if he was first choice um, going into the season, but now he is their center, central defender to build the team around, and they'll now be looking at can Godden do the business alongside them. There is some sense of of going forward. They've got Chris Kane, who is still a, a reasonably young striker. He's been given a run of games that I personally don't think he's good enough. Um, I think this
0: game showed you yeah, the, the um, limitations of his finishing. That uh, second one, I mean, it's a woeful effort, but it's not not exactly a sitter. The first one's a really good chance, and it's a really poor header for the for the space he has and for the, the the amount of goal that
1: he has to aim at as well, how close out he is. Um, you've also, I think, he's, um, earmarked Kyle McLean, who is out and I think he's been out on at Linfield. Right. Um, and I think he, Wright has made a lot of noises to suggest that he's going to be heavily involved next season. So there does seem to be some sense of building towards um, a younger team, which is what he's needed to do because, well, ultimately, the kind of um, McLean, Anderson, Miller, Fraser Wright, Brian Easton kind of gang most of whom are, are not, I mean Easton's not that old but the rest of them are all getting on a bit um, obviously two of them have left the club Anderson it's not clear what will happen with him Easton's had a lot of injury problems so they need to be upgraded or, or not upgraded but replaced um, so um, they have started to do that i talking about the young players Andrew Clark he's not young but he's still fresh as a goalkeeper um, has established himself as the number one so there, there are positive signs for them Going forward um, And it's always good To get that kind of performance Near the end of the season To give fans something to hope for The next season um, So it was, it was good from them Motherwell Rotten They've um, not turned down that, that was kind of the motherwell That we saw For much of the first half of the season But
0: The defending for that second goal Was horrendous It's just very un-Motherwell um, I think You can see the difference With uh, Godin Taking yeah. out the park And McHugh in there instead For that goal the lack of awareness from McHugh is crazy. Um, Aldred has been dragged out yep. uh, centre-back, which you try your best to avoid, but sometimes it's unavoidable and it happens. Now, McHugh's the defensive midfielder yep. in that team. He's got to be aware of what's going on around him, that there's a big gap there that's even plugged, and he's the prime candidate yeah, to go that plug it.
1: Before you're not talking about Yes, it. And,
0: and not only that, though, at the start of that move, Murray Davidson's in an innocuous part of the field. He's the other side of the halfway line. And he doesn't even sprint at first. I mean, in the end, it's a very good run from from uh, Murray. But the space he had to run into was just unbelievable. Because McHugh neither looks and tracks his run, nor just drops back into uh, Aldridge's Aldridge space. Instead, he follows Aldred and the player. So then there's there's two mother... Uh, it, was just, it
1: was just a shocking decision from McHugh. Yeah, it just you do just notice the difference that that I think I mean obviously the young players came, coming in made a big difference but the fact that Goreen came in and established himself in the middle of the park is no nonsense in terms of he puts a foot in which is why Well
0: I think the difference between the two is I mean both of them look like they're disposed towards getting bookings and red yeah, cards, yeah. right? I mean, that, that sometimes comes with the territory of that position. But with somebody like McHugh, he's just a hothead yeah, who, yeah. Will, yeah. who will put in challenges that he shouldn't be putting in when he's on a booking, for instance. Gorin's more the type of guy who, who will always try and play fair and within the rules. And I'm not saying that... I'm not trying to say that McHugh yeah, doesn't play yeah. fair, but you know what I mean? He, he just I think Gorin just looks like a good competitor who... Um, doesn't even play on the end. She just plays in a robust manner, yeah, and just, every now and again he game. picks it. Yeah, and he doesn't wind that in once he has a a booking. Yeah. So I, I don't think he's. I think he can pick up second bookings for slightly reckless challenges, but I don't think he's. I don't
1: think he's thrown himself no, about. No, no. He's, he's a. He's a, him, he's a. better footballer as well. When and he gets when, he, just he, foot when the ball, he gets the yeah. ball, he, he plays, and and um, I think that type of midfielder in Scottish football is um, you know worth our weight in gold in some ways, um, and. He, so he's made such a big difference coming into the team. I'm, I'm very pleased because I think um, when he signed, because he played in um, in Australia and New Zealand before, um, Graham had asked me about him and I said, yeah, he quite neat and tidy. I think he would do a good job. And then he basically wasn't seen for months. And I was like, I've got that one wrong. But uh, for once I've actually, um, yeah, I, I, I like him as a player. Um if not I read from the other fans as well, they were just saying that Turnbull, because he just, he just wasn't getting the ball, he was getting marked out of the game, and he was constantly dropping basically all the way back into the defence to try and get the ball, but then he's far too deep to impact the game, and that's always the kind of risk when you build your team around a player like that. If the other team can shut him out, and you're already missing other component parts of your team, um, it can start to go a bit wrong. Um, and you started to see that like, because Motherwell really didn't, didn't create a lot throughout the whole game, um, and I don't think it's a worry for them because I've already lined up three players on free uh, on pre-contracts for next season. Um, Jake Carroll, I think, is a, a weird one because he was he was rotten for Patrick Thistle, but the others that um, it's happened before though. It, happen so it has seen this happen before. It has. Anything else
0: add about this game? I'm just going to move on. Nah, no, no. So, happy to move on. No worries. I thought I'd interrupted you there. Right, so the final game. Just a couple of minutes on this, really. Not much to talk about. Livingston nil, Dundee 1. I don't think there's really much to talk about Livingston. They're on the beach. No, and Gary, Gary basically said it. <laughs> and you can't blame them. Um, it's been a fantastic season for them. It'll be interesting to see how they rebuild their
1: defence basically and whether Lithgow stays and is the man that they build that around or whether some clubs come in for him as well. It's fun it'll be funny as well because you wonder whether you always wonder when you've got like a unit like that, whether they will actually operate individually. Yeah, I mean, okay, Halkett is, is... Oh, wait, when you said a unit. I thought you were talking about... No, no, Luftho. no, no, you no, mean no I mean like a unit of three. <laughs> like Hulk is very obviously like really, really good individually. The other two, you wonder how much mm-hmm. the fact that all of that team is yeah. set up to help them. I think
0: Lithgow definitely looks the least talented of yeah. the three, but I I think I think Gallagher's got uh, a lot about him. Uh, I'm excited for Motherwell playing him at right-back next season. <laughs> um, Dundee, they managed to get the win at the venue where they last recorded a win, yep. went on a horrendous run and then
1: sat their manager after this. It was a slightly weird timing, wasn't it? Yeah, I, from, I, it sounded like maybe they had a scheduled meeting with them anyway right. and they were just like, well, we might as well get over the... Yeah, it's all a bit weird, I don't know. Um, I mean, he was going to go. He yeah, had yeah, to go. There's, the, there's no
0: argument about that. It's just, why not do it
1: after he's been Yeah, after relegated. the 10th consecutive defeat rather than waiting until they won. Um, and uh, we should probably mention David Tanner's meltdown. On about yeah, this. Yeah, this was, yeah. <laughs> the idea that, that Billy Dodds was the saviour of Dundee's season, it, it's very hard though because I would have been very, before this, I on. i have been very tempted to take that line just, just to wind people up and to kind of, especially Gary Cocker, to be like, oh, well, maybe if, uh, maybe if they'd brought Dodds in and we would just got those extra few points that they put them above St Mirren. But it's i as honest, Billy Dodds was with Jim McIntyre when he... Um, set Frost county. county on the path to relegation okay Owen Coyle um, okay, Owen, sorry. Owen Coyle played the role of Jim McIntyre in last season's Frost County where Jim McIntyre was in Neil McCann um, and the same thing happened there and, it, and it's just the case you are you start shit you sack the manager but the manager that you bring in happens to be even worse and I happened.
0: think that it's probably the case that um, Dundee would have been a bit stronger with Dodds there with McIntyre, right? Or say,
1: but do you know what I'm um, No, I don't
0: know. I've, I've worded that incorrectly. What, what I'm trying to say is
1: that you would have got. I have, have done no one. Okay, favorite. no, no, I'm not
0: saying they should have brought him in. I'm not saying they should have. What I'm trying to say is, um, it's. I don't think it's wrong to argue that a manager can be better with the right assistant next time I suppose is what I'm trying to yeah. say. But on the flip side of that, what I was getting to is that if Jim McIntyre is only a good manager when he has Billy Dodds next to him, then maybe he's not that good a manager. I, I mean, make Billy Dodds manager. Can you not? Yeah, or, <laughs> or surely yeah. a good manager would be able to work with many different assistants or find somebody else that has the qualities of Billy Dodds to, to come yeah, in and, 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 and if, compliment him. If it's
1: a case of having to compromise of, oh, we need to get this particular assistant in... Like, fair enough, if it's Jose Mourinho and Jose Mourinho says, I want to take the Dundee job, but I'll only take it on the condition that Billy Dodds is my number two, maybe you go, all right, we can probably forgive and forget to get Jose Mourinho in. You're not you're not compromising your principles for fucking Jim McIntyre, are you? And that's fundamentally the problem. But yeah, that, that kind of meltdown of... It's always the meltdown. It's always when and it, people tell fans of a club that you, some outsider that has basically fuck all interest in Scottish football, that you know better than the people that go and watch that team every week. That's not to say that, like, sometimes fans can be a bit blinkered and can get it wrong, but if you are fundamentally saying that David Tanner, a man who probably couldn't name you a single Dundee player apart from his pal Kenny Miller, would be able to um, know what Dundee needed better than the chairman or the players or the supporters of Dundee. I you say think... the chairman. I mean... Ah, oh, yeah, don't get me started. I mean, nonsense.
0: this managerial appointment all goes back to Dundee not doing their due diligence in the first place. Yeah. Like whoever made that decision, whether it was Nelms or whether it was somebody he asked or, or a board decision or whatever, whoever made the decision, I'm sure Gary will tell me off air or on the WhatsApp group later who it was. But They're not going to
1: it
0: on air, they? They did not do, do their due diligence because if they had, they would have known that Billy Dodds was the man that, Jim McIntyre would have wanted to bring in his assistant and then they also would have known that Billy Dodds is a toxic figure at Denz Park. Um, not only that, but they tried to defend McIntyre a few weeks yeah. ago with a statement which said the the figures or the data backs up that he's the right appointment. I mean, 12% win ratio. I don't know where they're getting that from and or what, what data that they're looking at. And what was the other thing? Oh yeah, the statement in which they announced that he had been sacked... They they totaled his wins, draws and losses, and the figure didn't add up to his total matches. They they later they later fixed it. Yeah. So it just that all those things together just it just screams yeah, like there's incompetence going on I behind just the
1: scenes. Why are you even putting that in your statement when you sack a manager? It doesn't it's not the way things are done. Like, it doesn't matter that like, the manager's been absolutely fucking hopeless, which he has. You don't have to spell it say that in the same way. You're like, unfortunately, um, we decided it was in the best interest of the club following the relegation to part ways with Jim. There you go, full stop. Why are you... Like, you're just making yourself look like small time and you're just having digs at the guy. It's like, everyone knows why you sacked him. It's not like you're sacking a manager when you're top of the league, like, which they have done in the past. Um, you're... Uh, it, it just... Everything about them, the these American owners and stuff. Like, I don't. I still don't understand what's in it for them. There's no. There's no love for Dundee Football Club. There's no. What, why are you there? They're not going to make money off Dundee. So what are they doing there? Because it doesn't seem like they really know what they're talking about. Like, like I've, just just little bits of decision making that are being done in a very weird way. But it's not like in some moneyball way of oh, we're looking for this special edge because well the 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 justification they gave for how they appointed their manager was bullshit it was, oh we want to check that they've got a 40% win rate, They like, well, Steve Clark didn't have a 40% win rate before he came up to Kelly but I'm pretty sure everyone would know that that was a good appointment for the type of club and there are guys out there with probably 15, 16 Alan McCoy's probably got a 70% win rate from his time at Rangers but you know, he kind of universally is known that he wasn't a very good manager. Make your decision like use data to inform your decisions, but it was very much as if we are making it on this data and nothing else, and it was just a, a very weird thing. And now I don't know whether it's going to happen or not, but they they've already set out the criteria that they use to appoint Jim McIntyre. So now if they appoint a manager that doesn't meet those criteria, they're immediately opening themselves up to being like, "Well, you've you've completely you turned on that." It's like what. Are, What are you trying to do? Where is your philosophy? What is it you're trying to do? And why would you suddenly say, two weeks ago, we need a manager with a 40% win rate and needs to have more than 300 games in football to then appoint Kenny Miller, who has seven games as a manager, for example. It just, it's indicative of what's going on on the field, off the field, and kind of indicative of what's going on on the field as well, even though they they did get a win on Saturday, and a win they actually um, deserved. I know we have not spoken much about it, but we well, um, kind you of ran over what you want to see? Like, one, well, like one, no. I said, I think
0: that was the best chat that we could have had yeah. about that game. There's not much to say about it, but uh, I we should probably leave it there. Like I said, we've gone over slightly. We're going to go and record Patreon now. Where we're going to look at some of all of the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know. We'll just see how we get on. Um, but yeah, if you want to check that out, it's. Patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast Where you can sign up There's various tiers You can subscribe to And then you can get in contact With us With all the usual channels Say goodbye Craig Cheerio Bye bye
1: Sports Social Podcast Network